Police One Academy is leading the way in high-quality, affordable training for officers nationwide. Your department can take advantage of more than 1,000 HD videos and 175 full-length courses in a robust learning management system. Training is certified or accepted for training credit in 35 states. Join the industry's most officer-friendly learning platform with more than 60,000 subscribers. To schedule a free demo, go to policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to the Policing uh, Policing Matters podcast, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hi, I'm Jim Dudley. Yeah, so Jim, um, back in August, um, in, in Baltimore County, Maryland, a woman, um, officers tried to serve warrants on a woman and her, uh, I think, boyfriend or significant other. Um, during an ensuing uh, standoff, the woman was kind of live uh, tweeting, if you will, or live posting on Facebook. And uh, law enforcement officers in the area were able to successfully um, convince Facebook that um, that her doing so presented a danger to not only her, but also the officers who were trying to um, to take her into custody. And according to Facebook, they, they do have a policy that they will um, take down someone's account or deactivate someone's account when there is, quote, risk of substantial harm. Um, you know, we recall, we're Bay Area folks, we recall back in the Occupy days, when the BART police took heavy, heavy criticism for shutting down the cellular network in the um, underground um, rail system. Uh, you know, of course, this was when there was considerable danger being presented by these large numbers of crowds um, turning out um, using uh, the, the mobile networking um, to communicate with one another about where they're going to do their flash mob activity, um, you know, presented a, a significant danger to, you know, innocent riders of the system. Um, you know, now in Maryland, you know, largely everyone was lauded. Facebook was given you know, kind of props, and I think that they rightfully um, um, should have that, that credit because they did do their best to try and make a situation safer. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a fine balance between giving people what they want, that is all access and all video and real-time information, to uh, balancing the needs of the privacy of potential victims, uh, of special techniques or tactics that may be used to uh, take someone into custody or to resolve a situation. Uh, people may be emboldened, and, and we've seen it time and time again, by active shooters who who just really love the publicity, who mm. want to put their their uh, mayhem live streaming. And so I really I hand it to Facebook for for making that sort of a concession and knowing that they would face criticism. And we've seen it before. Certainly, we're not a third world nation uh, that's clamping down on people's First Amendment rights mm -hmm. or their, their freedom of social media. But I really think, especially as I alluded to about victims, um, if you have uh, victims being held uh, hostage or, or facing some sort of eminent threat, um, and then the law enforcement assembles to um, uh, address the issue and, and, and seek to, to mitigate the situation. I think it's, it's helpful to have um, 
uh, a veil over the the movements of the law enforcement officers so that the individual is not following the police officers tactics on Facebook or social media or even live uh, TV uh, news TV yeah and you know what we've seen over the course of the last uh, let's say 20 years is local television news are much more um, prone to honor the requests of law enforcement get the news helicopter out of here um, you know there, we still see a, you know a, a, an awful lot of these cases where of course the the news channels are uh, are in opposition of the local police and they don't really care if it jeopardizes police uh, operations but in many cases you'll see law enforcement say hey the news helicopter is not helping matters you got to get it 150 yards further down the road sure um and that way we can do what we're going to do and then you can come in and see the you know the scene afterwards um the trick is that that's the media now what we have here is social media, where we have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of citizen journalists, and I use journalists in right, finger quotes, right. who have, they, they, there is no contract, you know, a handshake agreement, you know, where, look, stop your live tweeting, stop your this and that, because, you know, in many cases, you know, in some of these organized protests, they're actively interested in trying to disrupt police activities, right? Sure, and and as you say, there's there's you, you draw a distinction between real media, real in quotation marks media, and citizen media. But I think the courts have ruled time and time again that uh, bloggers, uh, videographers, and that's you or me outside mm-hmm. with a camera, that we can hide behind the same constitutional amendments of freedom of speech that the press enjoys. Indeed, and so we've seen that. We've seen uh, people actually go to jail here. Um, who refused to release information to a court. Uh, to me, you know, I hate to even say it out loud, but I, in situations where as law enforcement, we would tend to keep the media out because of an active um, crime scene or because of some sort of a threatening situation, maybe a hazardous situation, um, such as in a fire or earthquake or some other large disaster, um, I'm waiting for somebody to get the idea that maybe they can use a drone to get in and say, hey, officer, I'm putting my drone in there because I'm not going to get hurt. If the drone burns or catches fire, who cares? My my station will pay for it. So I think that's the next step. And uh, I'd be interested to hear from from our listeners if anyone's come across that, um, if they could if they successfully ordered um, from drones being flown over. Um, a crime scene or if there were any court orders issued to prevent it. Yeah, I, I've never yet yet heard of a drone kind of invading an active crime scene area. Um, I think that you've just forecast the future. Uh, you know, I think that the, the, the notion of private industry, private enterprise drones, whether by the mainstream press, you know, the quote, recognized media or, you know, just ordinary citizens believing themselves to be something, you know, like morally safer, uh, that they would avail themselves of that technology and for for good or for ill um, actually try and you know use those those uh, those devices to record police shooting um, uh, scenes record you know as you mentioned scenes of uh, disaster or catastrophe um, you know because ultimately they're all looking for the clicks they're all looking for the ratings right. and that that's sort of surveillance footage which is very easily had you know people's private homes have been invaded by these drones already. I mean, you've got the you've taken the peeping tom concept to, you know, an altogether different higher level. 
Um, so I think you've just forecast the future with regard to drones. You know, I, I, get, getting back to, you know, just Facebook itself, um, you know, I wonder if this is, a, speaking of forecasting the future, I wonder if this one incident is a harbinger. Is this something that other agencies can look to and say, hey, this this is a, a, a an example of a way in which you guys did a great job of helping us shut down this woman's account for the duration of the time that was required and they reactivated it they took right. down one or two videos that they found to be outside of the the lines of their their user agreement but this looks to me almost like precedent what do you think yeah i think i think we're lucky in this situation that um the security people at facebook probably um current or retired law enforcement made the made the advisement uh we've got to remember though Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, what else? Uh, Snapchat. Snapchat. Uh, uh, all these um, social media outlets are are not uh, anchored in the First Amendment rights that we, as the government or or as government ages, agencies, need to abide by. So, I mean, they can be a little more flexible with their rules, and and I don't think that everyone would rule on the side of law enforcement. So, I ju- I just think that I, I think that it's great that Facebook recognized um, the severity of what was going on, the possibility of during a live stream. And we haven't really had live stream social media for that long. Right. But you can imagine the things that people would do to you know, make themselves famous for 15 seconds. Sorry, Andy Warhol, but in, in this case, these are you know 15 seconds, Snapchat bites of uh, infamy, if you will. Yeah, I agree. I, and, you know, I, I think that it all does get back to the fact that these all these entities have a user agreement. Now, mm-hmm. you know, they're written in, you know, six point font and there's thousands and thousands of words of legalese. The probability that any user has really read into that mm-hmm. at the at the time they click I agree and and you know, I want to join uh, is very, very low. Right. But at least it is in their 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 toolkit. It's in their playbook that Facebook or all of these others can say, hey, you know, this user at this time poses enough of a, a clear and present danger, if you will. Mm-hmm. That, and there was, we should also remember that there was a child in that home uh, during the course of that, uh, that standoff. So, you know, there's at least they have that flexibility. And I think that hopefully, you know, other type social networks will look at that incident and, 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 you know, and step back and think, you know what, we could be helpful to law enforcement at some point. Sure. No, I'm, over the course of my career, there were certainly times in the last few years, last five years, probably, I think uh, the BART incident was 2011. And I was there for, I'd say, 85% of the demonstrations that were weekly and if not daily yeah. uh, during the high commute hours. And so I, I distinctly recall uh, BART using their authority to shut down the Wi-Fi so that the individuals in the demonstrations couldn't block cars and present hazards, um, keep uh, commuters from getting on the trains and getting to where they needed to be. And so there was a decision made to shut down the Wi-Fi so that you could shut down the text messaging or or phone calls. But on the other hand, uh, writers said they felt threatened that in the case of an emergency, they would not be able to access uh, 9-11, 9-1-1, or uh, call relatives or call people to say they'd be late or they're hung up or whatever. Yeah, I think the the, the main distinction between those two, the, the Baltimore County piece and the, the BART police uh, uh, item, is that one was a scattershot and one was a laser-focused. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that to your point, you know, when, when riders um, 
were faced with the fact, innocent civilian riders were faced with the fact that they could no longer communicate with the outside world in the event of an emergency, it, it then became clear that, you know, we needed to re, reopen the Wi-Fi, reopen the, uh, the, the cellular network just in case of an emergency. Sure, yeah. sure. Fascinating stuff. I'm sure that in time we're going to come back to it. Uh, once again, this is Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. Um, we do want to hear from you. So send us an email at policingmatters at policeone.com. And Jim and I will take a look at your email and get back to you. Thanks a lot and stay safe. Take care.